I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. And so the world's a hundred years old, spun barley from gold. I waited up for the rush, and I know nothing ever comes out the right way. When you left, you asked me What's the difference between getting older And beginning to understand I'm a man Both in and out I'm a man Both in and out And I Books are all fiction Good for our attention addiction What's the difference between telling lies And swearing that the truth is on fire Dell, which features my two guests today on the program, Theo and Sasha Spielberg. Let me tell you a little bit about Wardell and Theo and Sasha Spielberg. There's an old Hindu proverb that goes something like this. Uh, by the way, yeah, I do have some old Hindu proverbs in the holster. You never know when you're going to be invited to a party. <laughs> uh, there's an old Hindu proverb that goes something like this. Help your brother's boat across and your own will reach the shore. Well, in the case of siblings Sasha and Theo Spielberg, that boat is both of theirs, and that boat is called Wardell. Now, just to go back a little bit, the L.A.-based Wardell got their start somewhere around 2010, but the brother-sister duo actually used to operate under the name Brother-Sister. Their first EP hit in 2014, and their debut album as Wardell was 2015's Love Idleness, a collection that was charming quirky, and inventive. During that fertile time period, they played South by Southwest, they had their song Opossum, named as NPR's Song of the Day, and a live set in San Francisco found Stereo Ember's own Matt Sloan declaring that Wardell were the band to watch. But if you weren't watching very closely, Wardell all but disappeared. Theo left the West Coast for the East Coast, thanks to a job booking music acts for Saturday Night Live, while his sister Sasha stayed in L.A. and worked with other musicians, writing a batch of new songs and developing her solo project, which operated under the name Buzzy Lee. In spite of the break, the two siblings kept trading ideas back and forth, and in 2016, Wardell was ready to go again. The band hit the studio with Chris Cody, but that didn't work out. They'll tell you all about that in a second. So, 
With the second album's session scrapped, Theo took a job as the director of programming for the public arts in New York City. While Sasha was screenwriting and things were so busy, it wasn't even clear when album number two would even happen. But thank God it did. Titled Impossible Falcon, the band's second album is a riveting collection of dreamy indie pop, swooning ballads, and textured audioscapes. The whole thing is lush, cinematic, and stirring. And Wardell have never sounded better. Yes, Theo and Sasha's parents are director Steven Spielberg and actress Kate Capshaw, but that's just a cool side note. Wardell are their own thing, and what a thing they are. Now, I know that sounds like a Dr. Seuss line, but I mean it. What I'm saying is, I love this band, and the fact is, they play some of the most bewitchingly beautiful music around. Theo is a sonic architect who brings to mind everyone from Daniel Lanois to Mitchell Froome. And Sasha? Well, Sasha is in possession of one of the most spellbindingly beautiful voices out there. She knows how to wrap it around syllables with equal parts seduction and vulnerability. And the artistic combination of these two siblings adds up to one of the most lethal sonic one-two punches out there. So I love their music, and I love them. Talking to them was like talking to old friends. Well, I'm older than they are, so I'm like the real old friend in the equation, but talking to them was like talking to two people I'd known forever. Trust me, you're going to love them, all right? Okay, here we go. Me and Wardell having a chat right here on Stereo Embers. The podcast. This reminds me of the night before my bar mitzvah when I was talking to my grandparents on the phone at the same time. <laughs> oh my god, yes, yeah, completely. It's bar, bar mitzvah grandparents status conversation. <laughs> I, know. I just had a flashback where I started getting really nervous about uh, you know performing in front of the crowd tomorrow. Oh my god. <laughs> that should be a b-side yeah Yeah, fully we've considered it (laughs) so you guys i love your record oh thank you thank you i love it i am a little bit obsessed um with uh with uh domestic sweater i kind of a little snagged on that one no pun intended i love (laughs) (laughs) that's the first time we've gotten that yeah yeah, well, I, hopefully, hopefully, I can have ownership of that one. Uh, but it's a really, really beautiful and smart and spry and clever, uh, and kind of ultimately bewitching album. So, congratulations on that. Thank you, thank you, thank you so, so much. much. Um, I was curious because I, I got hip to you guys when you first started, and then I feel like I lost track of you. Um, what yeah. happened in there? <laughs> Am I right, or was it me being uncool, or were you really? someone to lose track of uh we i mean you're not uncool you're not uncool <laughs> yeah you're certainly Sorry. not uncool we really burrowed in deep on this album uh we sort of for a second we thought we were going to get it done quicker than we were we had a timeline that would have put this album out around 2016 or 17 and we kept sort of saying like new music coming soon new music coming soon 
And then when we decided really that we were just going to like hunker down, really try to find the new world that this album was going to live in, I think we purposefully disappeared a little bit instead of making false promises to people. And in that disappearance, what happened? Like what creatively shifted? Um, well, a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, for we both, I mean, well, first of all, we were on different coasts, which we made work in the beginning and we would go on tour and see, we would start in LA and our band would be LA based. And then for any New York shows, we'd have a New York band. And um, for tours, we would start in LA. Thea would just come out and we'd go from there. Um, Drop me off but in then, New York. You know, <laughs> yeah. But then we would, um, you know, there, I found that I basically, I started writing a bunch of songs that weren't right quite right for Wardell and Theo and I have a very honest relationship where I can say he can just say you know what I love this song but it's not for Wardell rather than tiptoeing around anything and trying to make a song work he'll just flat out say no just like I will say no to him that's the benefit of being brother and sister um so I started kind of writing uh, my own songs and fell into that quite a bit and became quite reclusive um but then at the same time, Theo was, you know, Theo was working in New York and then the two of us were sending songs back and forth and back and forth. And I think with the distance, it slows down the momentum. And when you're not touring, it's already, it, not touring already slows it down. And then when you add distance into the equation, it just becomes sort of like, okay, we know that we have songs that we need to record, but I guess let's take our time with it. And there was a well, bit the of a... The other thing is we had almost a full album uh, that we basically scrapped in a very weird way. We were supposed to record with a producer and we had a bunch of songs and he was like, these are great, but like keep writing more. And so we kept writing more. We had like almost 20 done. And some of them made it onto this album um, but at the last minute, he ended up scrapping or scratching our recording sessions. So we ended up not doing that album with him. And then that sort of left a weird taste in our mouths. So we kind of just yeah. ditched that, that whole batch of songs. Um, yeah, completely. So there's like a weird intermediary step, like a whole album worth of intermediary steps that uh, that sort of just got thrown in the trash. <laughs> So yeah. this in like a weird way, I was actually thinking about it yesterday in a weird way. This is sort of like a second and a half album or a third album. And the, right. the one That's in between true. is a bit of a mystery. But you've also just explained, like, sometimes you'll hear things like, oh, here's the lost Prince album. And you're like, when did he do that record? And you kind of realize like things happen in between the process where you might complete a work or start to complete a work or attempt to. And it doesn't come out. And maybe maybe that comes out in 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's so many great songs that we didn't record. Uh, yeah. But then when I go back and listen to them, I'm I'm very happy that this is the, the, the thing that we ended up putting out. I think it's... I agree. I think also, to be completely honest and realistic, uh, when, you know, when we... When our recording basically was canceled, I think a week before we started, that cancellation just kind of can put, well, it put me into a sort of like, oh, I don't believe in myself. I feel like I'm not 
trustworthy. I'm not. Yeah, it definitely took wind out of the sails. Yeah. And so when I think, you know, Theo and I are probably both feeling a bit defeated. And so when you're feeling defeat, you find, you know, you find other ways to distract yourself. So then I was sort of like, okay, well, then I guess I'll just keep screenwriting and I'll keep dipping my toes in all these other fields because I don't want to fail in one. And so I pushed away personally. I, I think I might have like taken a little time off because the songs had been tainted by this kind of negative experience with this producer. Um, but then my friend Greta heard our demos and was like, do not dump these songs, you guys, please. And, and she sent them to Chris Cody, who then immediately within like an hour emailed us back and was like, let's meet from the demos. So then we were, you know, we had faith instilled back into us, but it, it was definitely a sort of heart crushing, soul crushing experience, which can obviously delay creativity. Yeah. yeah. Right. It, Theo, you felt the same. Yeah, I mean, like, there's two things. One was that the way that we were supposed to record the album was going to be like, it was going to be a lot of first takes, which is definitely not how we work. And it was going to be recorded basically all during the nighttime. So it was going to, I was working at <laughs> SNL at the time. So basically my schedule was going to be working at SNL during the day. The recording sessions, I had to bargain to get the recording sessions to start at like 8 p.m. Originally, they were going to start around 11 p.m. and go until like 4 or 5 in the morning. Um, so later. Anyways, yeah. the, <laughs> the parameters set out for this recording session were just like very fundamentally the opposite of how we yeah. work, which that I thought. To me, like on... lying in bed, like I get the news at like 8 p.m. and I'm in bed already. And I. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I thought could have been cool to push us in like out of our comfort zone. It was going to be like our quote unquote New York album. And uh, I mean, I think it all was for the best. And also from day one, really, I'd been a huge Chris Cody fan and had been trying uh, to no avail to like get in contact with him or see if he would produce our first record. So working with Chris yeah. Cody for the second one was honestly a dream come true. And it was, a much preferable situation, you know, moves at a very, a very leisurely pace, which we love. And he's just, you know, the nicest guy. Yeah. Like you guys are not a frenetic band. There, there is a craftsmanship to what you do. So I'm not surprised to hear you say that. Um, yeah. I think that honestly, that had, that was very important for me. I was saying earlier that we did our first album really quickly. We did, I think 13 songs in 10 days. Wow. And I yeah. kept listening to that album, which I still love, but every time I listened to it after then, I would just start thinking of parts that I should have put in or taken out or or whatever it was. I just felt like we really did not have enough time on this one, on that one. So for, with this one, I really wanted to be sure and, you know, craft it step by step, step and really be careful with it. Do you think that the artist, because I, I did a reading from my latest book a few weeks ago, and I was changing things while I was reading it. And I wonder if the nature of the artist is to always be unsatisfied. Mm. I, mean, it, I mean, I think that, I think that yes, but also you have to realize, or you have to have people that you love just be like, stop, you're done. <laughs> you know, yeah. 
Um, I actually had that moment. We finished this record with a uh, a producer named Adam, who we grew up with, who's a dear friend of ours, and he was very good at that. He was very yeah, uh, and also because we had known him for so long, it was the first time that I, but I think both of us, were also willing to give up a degree of control to be like, we trust you you take care of this because if I do it, I'm going to drive us all bananas. Sasha, you, you, you felt the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have a tendency, but see, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of the opposite where, you know, when people are on their phones and you're talking to them and you know, they're not listening, but they take a pause after looking at their phone and they just go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that moment in every, like, they're just not listening, but they say like a really profound and a deep nod. They say, yeah, as though they have been listening. Sometimes I have a tendency to go into La La Land while recording <laughs> and get swept up by the music and just kind of feel like, yeah, no, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's great. That's it. That's the take. To have <laughs> our producer be like, Sasha, that was from the demo. That's not, that's nothing, you know. <laughs> I, which, if I play it right, if I am like Oscar worthy performance, then I can convince the room like, no guys, that is the take. But usually it's very transparent that I've been in La La Land and, but, but, but it sometimes helps move things along because I will just say very directly like, yes, that's it. Yeah. And then, and then I think the room is convinced, and then we move on. Um, and then I, in my head, I'm like, "What did I just say?" Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so having a producer, like when that's kind of how it was with you and I did the first record because we self we produced it. Um, and with this, that's why having a producer is great because they can they can check me. Well. Sasha, you're so good because even when you're giving me, you know, an example of that, I'm I'm already believing you. <laughs> you buy it. <laughs> I no, I totally buy it. Yeah, I'm like, well, we should probably move on. Um, the other weird thing is that really Sasha's honestly such an incredible vocalist that when she does a take and is sort of like, you know, out to lunch, it usually is incredible. And just because I know her, I know that she can do one that's even better. But it's a very weird thing to be like, no, no, that was like, that was a solid eight out of 10. But I know that you can do a 10 out of 10 take. Yeah. And with anybody else, it would be like almost insane to say that. Uh, but with Sasha, sometimes I find myself being like, are you sure you don't want to do another one? <laughs> <laughs> and, Thank you. I mean, Sasha, don't you think that it's so, it's so good to have I mean, in retrospect, maybe at the time you're like, all right, fine. But now <laughs> don't you totally appreciate that, that he did that to you? Oh yeah, completely. Completely. I mean, I, I, I actually am a perfectionist with vocal takes um, because I'm a perfectionist more, less about like, oh, am I hitting that vocal run and more about capturing sort of an essence or an energy. Like I like when my voice breaks in a way that's just so in the moment and unintentional and almost primal, I prefer that over like a perfect vocal take. So I become a perfectionist about the vibe of the take. And if I just feel like I wasn't, my head wasn't there as I'm singing the lyrics, 
I will need to do it again, even when Theo's like, no, dude, that was that was a perfect take. Yeah, it, also, it I, actually also goes the opposite way. <laughs> I see. Yeah. 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 Because I was wondering how she pushes you. Yeah, oftentimes I'll be like, that was a perfect take. I don't know what you think you're missing. And she'll be like, let me just do it one more time. And uh, lo and behold, she's almost always right. Sasha, I don't know what the heck is going on, but you are your voice is spellbinding on this album. It oh is God. Thank remarkable. you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, you've just tapped into something like it's I mean, I was thinking like the word bewitching just keeps coming up because it's just it's so mesmerizing, especially like on every song, but like um, you know, like something better than the wild. It's like, oh my yeah. god, what's happening? Oh my god, thank you. <laughs> that was a funny that was a funny song that actually weirdly i think of all of them had the most discussions about vocals because we were thinking oh my god maybe we're supposed to have my like pant not tantrum but that was the most frustrated i think i've been right with the allergies oh yeah you felt like you had like an allergy situation but I, also I the recently, big i've recently become a jew and i um <laughs> You've always and been. I mean that, you know, I became a Jew. You know, I've always been a, a Jew, but you I literally came into my, my <laughs> Jewness when I found out that I'm allergic to so much. And I only started getting allergies like about a year ago. And I've never dealt with them before. And it is truly debilitating. And I was just dealing with them while we were making this record. So I would go in and my voice would be just totally shot and it didn't matter how many vocal warm-ups I did it just would be like oh it just nasally and I couldn't hit, I just couldn't get the natural husk that's in my voice because it was kind of overshadowed by this like disgust well this is gross but yeah I mean I just it, it just no amount of mucinex or no amount of <laughs> but also like, I've had horrible horrible allergies like since I was born uh, like real horrible allergies would have to go home from sleepovers, like can't breathe style. And so I was honestly probably not the most receptive or sympathetic audience when she was like, I have allergies. And I was like, yeah, we all do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do remember the conversation on that one was generally, you know, in terms of like ramping up the energy of a song you start vocally in a lower register and build into a higher register. Mm. And for whatever reason, that just wasn't feeling like how we wanted to do it. And we had this really long conversation about like, is it weird to start high and then go lower? Mm. Um, and that's what we ended up doing. I think the compromise was that Adam put, you probably can't even really hear it, but Adam put, um, a very tucked in, tucked under take of Sasha singing it low under her high voice. Okay, I'm gonna listen to that again now that you've said that. I, I just love that song so much. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. I have. Oh, and by the way, Sasha, here's where where I became a Jew. I'm a little bit older than you. Is when like when I turned 35, I was like, "Is there a draft? What's going on?" Is there like, <laughs> oh, oh my god, you were cold all the time. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. Like, thank God we're all so charismatic because boy, are we ever annoying to other people. <laughs> I feel so bad for anyone that has to date me, anyone that has, oh my God, I just, I apologize in advance. There's a okay. weird moment when people start to get to know me because I'm 
black and it's very confusing, but some people will be like, okay, I don't know if this is going to sound weird, but why do you feel Jewish? (laughs) 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 And then I have to explain. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a thing, you know? Uh, (laughs) Oh my God, it's such a thing. My left hand, it won't stop shaking. about your kind of reclusive period that you referred to a few minutes ago. Um, When you were writing those songs, A, was it like a particularly prolific time? Because when you're reclusive and a little bit sad, you creatively, you're kind of on fire. And then, you know, right? And then Theo, for you, when you saw the songs she was writing in her reclusive period, what was your reaction to those songs? I mean, we we were sending songs back and forth. But there was, in that period, I was also sort of, I I was 
working a lot in New York. But when I would come back, I remember, I remember feeling, and actually, never is the word is really the only song from that period that ended up on the album. Uh, but it was funny because that period was also a lot riffier. I remember there would always be like a vocal melody in the verse, and it was a lot more like trade off. Like then there would be like a guitar riff, and then there would be like a vocal thing, and it mm-hmm. had like. It was a lot less dark, and it was, like, a little bit more sprightly. Um, but but it was it was great. I mean, I really – Sasha was writing amazing songs. I wasn't – at that – like, I would say it was probably 2016, 2017. I was, like, totally burnt out from my job. And then compounded with the fact that every free second I had – I was jumping on a plane and flying back to Los Angeles to come write with Sasha. Um, so I remember just feeling like absolute goop and it ended up with me sort of writing some of the stranger guitar lines that I've ever written where Sasha would be like, are you sure that's what you want to play? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> <Okay>. yep. <laughs> and Sasha, you, like, what, what was happening for you in that, during that period? Did you tap into something darker than you expected? Definitely. Yes, definitely. I, um, yeah, I was, I was in a relationship that was, um, but it just was turbulent and I was finding myself giving all of me to that person. Um, and I sort of feel like I made that relationship my job. And so in that I, I was just, I didn't, all the energy I had was kind of going towards him and the tiniest morsel of energy that I had left, I would put into writing. And it was sort of the thing that saved me in that time. And um, yeah, so just, I mean, the songs I was writing were very dark, but they ultimately were probably my most like important songs. Um, Yeah, it's actually really funny now that I think about it. The first album was called Love Idleness in part because Sasha was in a relationship that was going very nicely and I was just single hanging out being somewhat idle. Um, But this for this album, during the time that we were writing it, we both went through some pretty tumultuous relationships and breakups. So we were kind of also both dealing with the same thing and both dealing with dissolving relationships. Uh, Yeah. So we actually both ended up being in a darker place, which I think translated both musically and lyrically. Yeah, I hopefully I get that because, you know, I every time I've been through a breakup, I always think to myself, this sucks. But boy, my writing is going to really get good. (laughs) Exactly. You know, I mean, it's like the pain becomes useful to the art, even though it sucks. I mean, I guess the good thing is you get this output that you wouldn't normally have access to, you know? I mean, (laughs) I'm not saying for every artist out there, go get your heart broken, but it doesn't hurt. (laughs) I mean, it hurts. It It doesn't hurt the art. No, it doesn't hurt the art. Um, Mm. You know, it's interesting. I I teach college for a living and I ask my students- Oh, what do you teach? I teach English and um, up here in San Francisco. And it's a, I'm, a, I'm a Jewish guy teaching at a private Catholic college, which is everyday confusing. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, I asked my, my students about how they listen to music. And most of them 
don't listen to an album front to back. And mm. for me, that that kind of breaks my heart in half because I think you need to, especially like this record, to me, is a very specific song cycle. Um, yeah. Right? Like like the opening and the closing, like there's a narrative going on here. A story is being told. It's like a like a beautiful novella. As, a, as artists, you guys... I know you understand that, and I don't, but does that frustrate you a little bit? And how do you handle the way music is ingested by your, by the public? Um, well, I actually, I spent a long time trying to sequence this album uh, because sequencing to me is a very important thing. And uh, luckily I grew up pretty much right before the time where you know, you could buy just a song on iTunes for 99 cents. Like that happened for me when I was in maybe ninth or 10th grade. Okay. Um, so I, I, I love listening to albums straight through and I have a bit fallen out of the practice, but when I'm making something, I obviously, we like to, I guess, take somebody on a little bit of a journey. Uh, yeah. but there's a couple things. I mean, the album is not very long. Uh, so we tried to kind of get in and get out and not, really take out take up too much of anybody's time um but i also think that most of these songs can be listened to on their own um but they were taken from two different sessions which you i don't think would be able to tell but in my mind i kind of wanted to space them out evenly over the course of the album and there's some things that like are givens so for me, I'm a man could really only go at the very beginning or the very end. It didn't right. make sense anywhere in the middle. Um, and then strangely, Tokyo Phones, I thought, could kind of go anywhere. Um, but I think that we've had this tradition of putting the song that we record last, last on the album, and also trying to end on an upbeat note. I don't know. There's It would take forever, really, to explain it, but... <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of things, and I think that the way that I combat it is I understand that most people aren't going to listen to it front to back, uh, but the people that I can influence, aka my family and closest friends, I really try to make sure that they do because they're the only people that I can actually be like, no, you got to listen to it first song to last song. Right. Yeah. So at least I can be sure that like seven people have done it. <laughs> yeah like I, like for me like i love where tokyo phones is i mean it, it because that's sort of like the penultimate track and that makes perfect sense um, yeah there's this weird thing uh our producer when i first asked about sequencing he suggested the first two songs in that order and then i remember i was it was a very specific los angeles moment where i was uh transferring from the the 10 to the 405 and i don't know what happened but like literally in that moment the whole thing just clicked for me and i was like oh this is how it's supposed to go um, well, that's a metaphor right there man <laughs> <laughs> something yeah. just snapped in i mean because i i listened to this record theo and i think like you have become like a you always were but like you really are an interesting uh, architect, like a sonic architect. I love what you do, uh, the way you're arranging these songs, the way you're playing. I and mean, there's something incredibly captivating about what you've what you've captured here. Thank you. Um, I feel like song structure for us has always been a very important thing. Um, 
and I feel like when we when we first started demoing the songs for this album, we found that we got into um, a sort of very comfortable mode. Like we started the first song that we ever wrote was called Opossum, and it had a really long outro, but mm-hmm. the outro was sort of like the 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 most identifying part of the song, I would say. And we really became an outro band. We really started digging into like outros that like picked up the pace and like kicked into gear. We also are huge fans of of the bridge, uh, and I think that on this one we kind of tried to subvert that a tiny bit. This may sound like a silly question, but I'm just I'm very curious. A lot of our audience members are aspiring musicians. Um, in terms of your daily practice. It sounds like we're talking about yoga now, but your your daily practice, I mean, Sasha, Theo, like how often are you tending to your art? Are you singing every day? Are you playing guitar every day? Like what does your, your regiment look like creatively? Sasha and I write really differently. Sasha, do you want to say how you do it? Yeah, I I try to write a, like a, a third or four, sorry, three quarters of a song a day. And I have to have lyrics and I have to have, everything there no matter how bad it is so if it's I just I have to do it because I have about two years ago I looked at my phone and I had 6,000 voice memos that were just all untitled that were like a minute a minute long and uh, it hit me that I hadn't really ever written a full song that I could just go up to a piano and play front to back start to finish I did not have that I had ideas I had kernels of a song I had the the structure fine some lyrics but not really and then the melody down and that's where Theo you know I would send to Theo and then Theo would kind of finish it for me and then we get together and figure it out together but um now I'm like okay I have to be writing a song a day and the song has to have lyrics it can't just have like like can't do that and so I just started um, do I stick to that and do I accomplish that? No, not at all. <laughs> I go on Instagram sometimes and then I'm sometimes in my bed and then I'm sometimes like d- drowning in my own sorrows and looking out the window and thinking about life and why do I live in LA? Um, <laughs> no, I really, try, I mean, I really, really tried to write a song or just, you know, a, a verse and a chorus with lyrics though. They have to have lyrics. Um, and that's sort of my process. And I have a home set up, like that's like a live band. So I play like, I play my, I have a Jack's auto rhythm, um, just like a drum beat going. I pick my drum beat and then I, um, in my left hand, I play a chord. And then in my right, I play a keyboard and um, I use a telecon to run my vocals through. And so I pick different voices. And so I do like a live band of one kind of set up to write. Yeah, that's actually similar to how I do it. Um, for the last couple of years, and actually I've gone back to sort of just writing with me on a guitar or when I have it a piano. Um, but for the last couple of years, I have been writing in a in a very sort of, piecemeal almost like you said almost more architectural way where I'll start out and I'll you I'll usually like make a drum beat on a drum machine um 
and or I'll have like a, a guitar figure that I know that I know that I like. Then I'll put a and I always work on my computer, so I'm always recording when I'm writing. Um, and so I'll put a drum machine down, and then I'll put the guitar over it, and then I'll put another guitar over it. And I will like start layering things up just to get the vibe, and then I'll have spent you know a couple of hours and realize that I'm only through like verse one and chorus one. Um, <laughs> and usually at that point, if it's a song that I think is sort of Wardellable, <laughs> then I send it to Sash, and if it's not, then uh, I'll work on it and usually what i do is um i kind of don't i kind of have been lazy about finishing songs recently so i'll get you know like the first minute minute 30 seconds of a song but it'll be like almost entirely built up with drums bass keyboards guitar uh vocals like harmonies like the whole deal and then I, you know, a couple of times, like maybe I would say once every six months, I have a day called Snippets Day. And I go back to all the snippets that I've recorded. And if there's one that still really hits me hard, then I go back and finish it. I was playing uh, the record to a friend of mine yesterday. And I said, where do you think this band is from? Because I was thinking about how you were talking about the New York album and Sashi were talking about mm-hmm. living in LA. And she thought yeah. you were from Paris. Well, we both really love and would love to live. (laughs) And we both have lived in Paris. And that's kind of been when Opossum came out, I was living in Paris. I was doing like my semester abroad there. So I was there for like seven months. And um, I wanted to move there so badly. And Theo was a French, he was a comp lit major with French literature. And we both just have this, you know, I was just kind of dating someone in Paris. And so I was going there, like, since I've been going back and forth since November, um, no longer. But I, yeah, we both just, Paris has just been a weaving. In, yeah, that's, that's so funny. We actually, I mean, there were there were conversations where we were just like, you know, we should just move to Paris. Like, we should just do it and we'll have the <laughs> band there. We can record the album there. Like, yep. just screw America right now. <laughs> we should just get out. I did a house swap in Paris <laughs> this summer. I did a month in Paris and then I had a couple stay at my, it was like the holiday. Yeah, <laughs> it's really interesting because there were a lot of like indie pop bands in the early nineties that were from France. And she was saying it reminded her uh, of that. And it turns out she was hearing something. She wasn't crazy. No, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, and I also wonder sometimes, like, if your geography, if you can hear your geography in your music, you know, like, Theo, you're mentioning that New York album, and I wonder if you guys did move to France, if the music would sound more French. I um, think definitely. Were you not going to say that? No? Oh, I don't, I actually don't even know. I, I hope, I mean, I would imagine that it might. Well, I think, I think, honestly, we pick up on you know if you're in a taxi in Paris um, and you're hearing the songs that are number one on the radio there, they're quite different than the songs here. Um, yeah. Also in, in metro stations, when you hear people playing music um, in stores, you shop at. I mean, you you're just getting no matter where you are, you are somehow 
like converting to this whatever culture you are being exposed to and like it just I really do believe like LA you know gosh I feel like if I'm here for too long I do start to sound like a lot of LA bands because I'm going to see my friends play and then I'm going to shops in Silver Lake that are playing my friends bands and you right. know, I just, I, it, yeah I can get muddy and I think just in in also in terms of walking when you're in LA you're driving and you're just listening to the your shuffle or Spotify or whatever but when you're walking you're you're getting different you're seeing different things you're being exposed to different people different sounds different smells and I do think that can affect your music a hundred percent well, I mean, for me, actually, it's touch, a touch the opposite. When I'm in New York, I'm really almost always in shuffle mode. But when I'm in Los Angeles, it's much easier for me to just put on an album in the car and listen to it straight through. Mm. Um, but, you know, we have always really, I'm, I mean, you might be the first person to have said Paris, but we often really, people often say that we're very Los Angeles, very California band. Uh, yeah, like super mellow and super chill and really dreamy. Um, and I think that we definitely tried to actively um, sort of rail against that. Uh, the first half of the album and the second half of the album start with these kind of very ominous pulses um, that I sort of wanted to give it just like a bit more of a sinister, dark vibe. I mean, I would say that this album is way darker than the first one. Oh yeah, um, yeah, without a doubt. Especially a song like "Operator," or <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, well, I wonder. I mean, you guys are so nice. I wonder how do you push yourself creatively? Do you are you competitive? Like, do you hear a Billie Eilish song and go, "Man, how did she do that in 16? Or are are you competitive with what you hear, or are you competitive with yourselves? How do you push yourselves? I think we might be sort oh. of competitive with each other, oh. like. Sometimes really? Sasha turns in a song. Well, not like purposefully, but sometimes Sasha will turn in a song that's amazing, and I'll be like, "Well, time to step <laughs> it up." <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Thank you. But I, I guess I, I mean, yeah, I, I feel I'm constantly comparing myself to people constantly, um, and I think that's really the death of all creativity. I feel like I can easily look at people who are, what will happen is, you know, I, I can hear a song and I'm like, holy shit, that's good. And I feel that in my stomach where I'm, it's visceral. It's like, oh God, that's so good. Oh my God. And then you're like, oh, oh, are they going there with the melody? Are they going where I think they're going to go? Oh, yep. They just did. <laughs> and then you, you feel like, but it, for me, it's like respect. It's respect respectful jealousy I just am so like I'm in awe and I I that makes me push myself a lot so part of me really likes that and comparing myself because it pushes me um and then the other part well you know the Instagram side of me despises comparison. <laughs> um well because I've actually worked on the other side of the industry in different capacities I am always wanting people to play music and get their, you know, I want to champion anybody's music. Uh, like I actually booked Billie Eilish at this venue that I ran in the summer of 2017 in like a little 250 cap space. Um, but no, honestly, 
and it's like no disrespect to anybody, but I don't truly see much of the music that I hear on the radio or that's coming out now as being especially relevant to what we're doing. Right. Which um, makes sense. I mean, it makes me wonder if you go back and listen to stuff that is like older stuff. Like, is that what you're you're finding yourself doing? Yeah. I mean, I was trying to listen to the radio the other day and it just like wasn't getting me. And then like the trogs came on and I was like, oh, finally. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that when I and I know a lot of other musicians carry the same sentiment, but if I'm working on music or working on an album, I really it's not even like a conscious decision, but I can't really listen to other music, especially contemporary music. I get that. And, and that's why, you know, it's funny because you guys remind me a little bit of Tahiti 80, um, <laughs> which is a French band, actually. But that sort of that textured pop. And um, and again, Sasha, whatever you're doing with your voice, keep doing it. It's just really <laughs> it's so good. I mean, this I think vocally, this is just one of my favorite albums of the year, just in terms of vocals alone. Oh, wow. Oh my God! Thank you. you. Um, And it's and and it really is just it is a a late entry coming out in September uh, for album of the year anyway for me. Um, But how how does it feel to have a record come out? You you guys must be so happy that it's out. It's on the streets. Oh, especially after it took so long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, there are definitely more than once where uh, I think we thought. I don't think that this is going to happen, or maybe this will just come out as an EP or whatever, whatever it was. Oh, sorry. Another thing that just popped into my head uh, was I was listening to the Cocteau Twins a lot, so oh. maybe that's where. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that I did too. <laughs> that's funny you say that. I, I was just listening to Bluebell Knoll a couple of days ago. It's funny you mentioned that. Um, <laughs> Because I love, uh, I love them. I actually saw them in San Francisco on their last tour, and they blew me apart. Oh, that's so cool! Yeah, they yeah, were incredible. Um, so, uh, look, I don't want to hold you guys to this, but will there be a follow up that will not take quite as long? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't really want to make any promises. I feel like we've <laughs> wisely played, Theo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I look, you guys, I am so happy to chat with you. This was much easier than my bar mitzvah conversation. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I want to congratulate you on what is just an absolutely lustrous, textured, beautiful album. Congratulations all around to both of you. Oh my God. Thank you so much. Well, who am I to argue with that, Sasha Spielberg? Thank you for the compliment. Thanks for your time, Wardell. That was fun. Uh, didn't you like them? They're adorable. They're, uh, they're filled with personality, and they make great music. What more could you want? Go find them on social media, on Twitter, at Wardell, and on Instagram, at Wardell Music. Now, as for me, you can go to my website, alexgreenonline.com. Uh, yeah, I still have a website. Do you? You don't? Is it is it not cool anymore to have a website? I love my website. AlexGreenOnline.com is something I'm very proud of. So, you know, if it's not cool anymore, I don't care. Go to it. Check it out. See what's going on.
But if you're the kind of person that tends towards social media, we can do that. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Embers Editor or on Instagram at Embers Podcast, okay? Jeez. Is the world getting simpler or is it getting more complicated? I have no idea. Uh, but one thing I do know, Stereo Embers the Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. That means Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Last.fm, Stitcher, and we are now on iHeartRadio. And believe me, I bring it up every chance I get. So wherever it happens to be that you get your podcast, please get Stereo Embers the Podcast there and uh, leave us a rating, uh, maybe a nice comment, and for God's sake, subscribe, okay? All right. I love all of you for listening to this program. I can't even tell you how much it means to me. If I met you in person, I'd, I'd you know... I'd give you a hug that would embarrass us both. <laughs> I would. I really would. Uh, I do appreciate you uh, listening in week in and week out. Uh, thank you, as always, for your support. Let's close things off with a new song from Wardell's new album, Impossible Falcon. This is Domestic Sweater. Enjoy it, and I'll see you next time right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. In the wild, I just feel better. You're still part of me Where you like domestic sweater Will you think of me You're tied up in part of feeling Complete, come over again And sever my heart I'm already dead So when do we start? Sever my heart Were you just a memory that gave up on a game? You distract me, gasoline, and then you Ready to